Good to see y'all. Good to be with y'all. Yes. I'm Father Scott. I think I've seen y'all before. Haven't you? Y'all been here for a while, haven't you? Yeah, I thought I'd seen all of y'all. David, he and I have had the pleasure of running together once. Yes. <laughs> my very first 5K, I got to run with him and Steve McCary. That was my worst 5K. <laughs> well, I didn't notice. Steve did. <laughs> Are you sick? I'm like, no, I'm not there today. Uh, it, was, it was a good day, and it was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm from Lamb of God up in Helena, Alabama. And uh, Father Ronnie texted me last week and asked if I'd fill in for him, and I was always glad to come down here. It's a beautiful place. It's a nice drive. Um, a couple of the songs y'all played are ones I sang on the way down, actually. I'm going to take my glasses off here. So... Um, Get my notes. All right. Um, does anyone, before we start, does anyone sense that they might have a word from the Lord for the congregation? We always open it up just before the sermon in case somebody just senses in worship that God might have something to speak. So... Okay, if you do any other time, just let, let me know. Um, turn to the reading for today, Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to launch off of there. Um, I don't know if any of y'all, were, were any of y'all um, ever go to our church in Fairfield back before it was CEC or right after it was CEC? It was in a different building. Um, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it now, Christ Episcopal is what it was called. Um, Father Jim Pinto was the rector now. Um, he's now still very active in the pro-life movement. He and his wife, um, he joined the Catholic Church uh, sometime later. But um, the church uh, came out of that. And there was a, one, a member of their altar guild was named Esta Lee. And she was this older lady who had served the church very faithfully uh, for years. I don't know how long. She was very old by the time I met her. I was a deacon and I was there for a service. I think it was the reception of Jim Pinto into the CEC, so Bishop Dale Howard came up. And uh, Esteli, they had a, a dressing room in the back, and so all the clergy were there, um, Bishop Howard was there, and the clergy were standing around, and, and uh, Esteli went around making sure everybody's albs were, and their stoles were straight and balanced, and uh, she just made sure that everything was, was prim and proper, in its right order. And she was pretty strict, and she was pretty, I wouldn't say demanding, she she wanted to make sure everything was just, you know, as much as she could do, could do it, that it was just everything was right and in order. And um, over the years, I would be asked to go preach there occasionally, and Esther Lee was there for many years. She passed away a few years ago. And uh, I always remember her, though, because she took such delight in that ministry of keeping the clergy straight, not in, in any behavioral way, but just to make sure that we were all vested well, we, the line looked good, it was paced right. You know, she really took her job seriously. And you know, it was something that you could tell that this is something God called her to. She had this unique gift that she wanted to make sure things were just uh, neat and orderly. And it honor, that was her way of honoring the Lord and making sure that in the service, that as much as we can, that we would honor the Lord with that, those details. Uh, she also, I think, oversaw the, the altar guild. And you know everything was always pristine uh, while Esther Lee was, was there. But um, I think of her because um, as I was praying about this, 
this uh, sermon, um, the Lord had me in Romans chapter 12, um, and I was thinking of uh, the thing that really struck me as I meditated on these verses is, and, and God over the years has been, um, I guess, showing me more and more just how diverse and widespread the gifts are that He gives. Uh, and often they're, you know, in, in the scripture when Paul was writing to the Corinthians and he delineated the spiritual gifts, or he was in Ephesians and he was talking about the ministry roles and the ministry giftings, and in Romans here, talking about um, the different gifts that people are given uh, based on, his, on the grace that he gives them. None of these were meant to be exhaustive. They were, they were just, Paul was, was uh, affirming that God, who is infinitely creative, who's created a universe of infinite complexity and beauty and wonder, has done the same thing by granting us very different gifts. So, I think a lot of times in churches we, we limit what we allow, in our, at least in our minds, sometimes in practice, what, what we say are the legitimate gifts of the Spirit or how they should operate. What are the roles that people play in the church? Whereas the gifts could be as simple as you know, somebody who, um, you know, like Esther Lee, who makes sure the clergy's stoles are, are not crooked and that their albs are pleated nicely on the back. I still think about her when I make sure I have a nice pleat on the back. <laughs> I'm sure I don't do as good a job as she does. Um, but let's go ahead and read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For, the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. So, one of the first things um, that is a, pre is a condition of it acting out these gifts that God's given is, is for us to offer ourselves to God on His altar. He's, Paul calls us to be a living sacrifice. One of the things that's really unique about this call is in Israel, they understood a, a dead sacrifice. The, they said, it's said that during the height of, of Israel, when the temple was in full function and the sacrifices were being offered as they should, that there was a constant flow of blood out of the, is it the east side of the, of the temple as a constant reminder that our sins needed to be dealt with and that God had made a way. Um, but now, Paul calls us to be a living sacrifice, which when you think about it, if I'm going to sacrifice myself upon an altar and I'm still alive, I'm going to have to choose to stay on that altar. So it's a choice that God gives us to make and, 
He strengthens us by His grace to make that choice. It's like when Jesus calls us to, um, uh, to forsake ourselves. Um, he, he's, he's, he's calling us to the same thing. It's that state of being a living sacrifice, of choosing to be sacrificed for whatever purposes He calls us to. And then this uh, living sacrifice... Uh, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I think that that's what Paul is, is probably alluding to, this state of being a living sacrifice, of somebody willingly offering themselves in the service of God to be used of Him for whatever He wants. And this is, it's, Paul says, is holy and acceptable to God. It's something that He receives with willingly. And that it is a, a, our spiritual, or some translation says, our reasonable worship. This is legitimate worship to God. The offering of ourselves, our wills, to remain sacrificed to Him on that altar. Um, this, there's results to this too. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When I choose to offer myself upon this altar, um, it isn't for nothing. It will change me as, also, as well as offer me to be used of God to change others. I'll gain wisdom because I'm holding myself in a place that sometimes is painful. Sometimes... Uh, it means not getting the way I want, but I yield myself to God. I choose to follow in the path that He's given me. He says, don't, he then says, don't, um, I'm sorry. Yes. So, this, this acceptable offering of God, keeping ourselves on His altar, <clears throat> is a pl it becomes a place in which we exercise the skills, the talents, and the callings that God has given us in our lives. Um, I remember a story many, many years ago told by uh, a speaker at a missions conference. He had met a man in it was one of the large Indian uh, cities. Uh, I don't remember if it was Mumbai or New Delhi. And there was this man who was on the streets and he was desperately poor. But in some time in his life, somebody had shared a tract to him, which he couldn't really read, but they explained it to him. And he understood that this, and he, he gave his heart to Christ. He had a, a real encounter with the Lord. And it forever changed his outlook. He was still poor. He still begged on the streets. And which, uh, and, but what he did is uh, some mission must have given him free tracks. He just thought it was his mission to give tracks to every person who went by him. One of the men uh, who he gave a tract to was a businessman. And um, this man was, was not a believer. He took the tract from the guy and then went to throw it down and it stuck to his finger. He couldn't shake it off so he stuffed it in his pocket. Sometime later, I think in the hotel room that night, he read that tract and God came to him and led him to Christ. And that man later became a great evangelist who had won literally won tens of thousands of people to Christ all over India and I think even Europe. I have not looked up to see who that man was. but. Um, the man somehow heard that this beggar was no longer at his corner through some contact and he was worried for him and he, on a trip to India he intentionally looked the man up and the man was on his deathbed 
And he got to go and share with him what that track meant to him and how God had called him to reach all these people for Christ. And the man just wept because he never knew, nobody ever came back to tell them that this tra these tracks had meant anything to him. So this was a man with very limited resources, limited education, limited giftings, but he just did the one thing that he knew. He handed out these tracks and, he, and, and here he ended up having an impact on hundreds of, probably hundreds of thousands of people through, and who knows who, what others came to Christ through that ministry. Just seeing that man being willing to give himself uh, for the sake of the gospel. Um, when we do sacrifice ourselves, it transforms us and it makes us new. It transforms the whole way we think. Like this man, now he had a new mission. One of the prerequisites, and one thing that's remaining on the altar will do, is it will humble you. It will, God will call you to do things that are difficult, sometimes are embarrassing. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you all have times when God maybe asked you to confess to somebody that, um, that you, maybe you overstated something, or you lied to them, or you wronged them in a way. Um, I had a, a, a friend in college, I went backpacking, took him on his first trip, and uh, I, I, in, in talking on the way up, um, and he and I were having some conflict uh, about our faith. I, I was brand new in the faith. He was, had been a Christian, a kind of nominal Christian all his life. I, and I started to wonder as I got to know Jesus whether he really knew the same Jesus I did. But I, in talking, I just exaggerated. I don't even remember what it was. But the Lord really convicted me that I should confess to him. And I had the hardest time. Very prideful. I didn't want to confess. So we get on that we were going to the Smokies. <clears throat> I tripped over. I, I'm usually extremely sure-footed. I hardly ever trip. And even if I do, I rarely fall. I was tripping on every root and every little stone on the trail up until we got to where we were setting up camp. And I'm like, all right, Lord. And he was already up ahead with another buddy of mine who he and I used to hike a lot together. And I said, when we, when, we break, when we set up camp, I will confess to Brandon. And uh, it was very humbling. Brandon didn't even remember the conversation. <laughs> but God used that, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, it was me responding to conviction. It took me a little while, though, and I would have been a lot less miserable if I had confessed immediately. But he's patient with us. Um, so he goes from there, talking about being a living sacrifice, about being sober in mind, to talk to us about the, the, the diverse giftings. Um, I think it's into, I like what he says in verse three that each according to the measure of his faith that God has assigned, that God has a purpose for us. He's called us for a purpose, and I've found in my life that uh, people often fill those purposes in ways that don't look like you would think the cookie cutter ministry opportunities that a lot of us think from, especially if we've been in church a while, that oftentimes it's the, making sure the priests have a clean pleat, you know, so that when we march down the aisle as in procession that it will look, it won't be distracting to everybody. Um, one of the, he says in verse 4, For as in one body we have mem many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. One of the beauties of the Christian faith is that he doesn't destroy our individuality. He's, because he created us uniquely in his image and he intends to express himself somehow through us. But we are also part of one body that functions within that body. And the gifts are given to us for that purpose. 
He's granted gifts in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. These gifts are things that are given to us. In, in how, however simple, or however complex, however out in the open, or however hidden. Uh, there's a fr uh, one friend of mine who um, is a difficult person to deal with and is often the cause of one having to learn to thank God for this person because of the way she just t t talks about t two people sometimes. And, um, but she has a tremendous gift of faith and prayer. And I know that much of the blessing those around her have experienced is because of her prayers. So she has rough edges, but she has this gift uh, that, that is unique and powerful. So I, I, you, know, you, you, have to, you, you come to look beyond the, the weaknesses, the rough edges. Um, he says, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. God also grants us things that are in, course, in, in conjunction with the faith that we have. Sometimes He gives them to us to build our faith so that we can be used even more uh, from, by Him. But sometimes if faith is weak or if faith is immature, He'll give us things to do that, that we can handle if we will just trust Him. And I know as a young Christian, a fairly young Christian, I went out to the mission field for uh, four, four months. I was in Belgium. And uh, God put me in a lot of places that I just was not feeling comfortable, but stayed there because that's where I was called. And others around me encouraged me. And, and the ways I, I found that God always has told me later how if I ever had any impact on anyone because of pride, I think. And uh, I, I found out that simple things I didn't even think about He used in other people's lives. And I've heard that throughout my Christian life that it's often these quiet things that you do, sometimes not even noticing yourself, that God uses for His glory and to minister to others. Um, you know, one of the things that um, God, how He uses our giftings is, I, I feel like a lot of ways the body of Christ is reflective of the na natural order. I mean, anyone who has studied you know, uh, biology, medicine, um, zoology, you know, uh, uh, any science, uh, ast astronomy, can, can attest to once you get into it, there's just this grand beauty in the complexity that re that's reflected in nature. And I feel like that that's the exact same way it is within the body of Christ. As you allow for the diversity of gifts and the uniqueness of their expression, and if you allow for the fault that God even uses in our exercise of these gifts, you'll see this amazing complexity and this, yet this amazing beauty as God uses these and shapes them for us. In Romans 8, uh, later in Romans 8, uh, the famous verses where Paul says... Um, I'm trying to find it. Oh wait, sorry, early. Well, I miss. I lost my place. No, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, but one of the beautiful things is. Um, oh, I'm going to go to the First Corinthians 12. Sorry, lost my place in my notes. First Corinthians 12, starting in verse four, uh, and I'm just going to skip around. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And to, so then he goes and he delineates the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And then down in um, verse 11, these are, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all, one, all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the f and then he goes on to talk about, you know, like if, if the foot says it doesn't belong to the body, it does. It's no less than, than, than the head or the heart. Um, so the, the, the gifts all are meant to operate together and when we allow for the diversity of gifts to, be, uh, admit, to work among us, that's when they have their greatest strength and that's when they become the most encouraging to us and the most capable of ministering to others. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, another place where Paul talks about gifts, and these are some of my favorite verses. Chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So these gifts are united in the one God, the one Trinity, the one body of Christ is granted this diversity of gifts. And then I want to go down a little bit farther in verse 15. Paul makes a statement that is, I, I think about all the time and I've thought about it for years since God started spoke to me really deeply in these verses. So he, he talks about uh, people having different, uh, different giftings, especially the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and then different gifts scattered among the body that they're given to us in verse 13 to bring us to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the, of the stature of the fullness in Christ. It's as we exercise these gifts of the Spirit and these gifts that He's granted us that He is building us up as mature Christians. And in verse 15 he said, Rather, speaking the truth in love, oh, I'm going to read from the New American Standard because it has some wording that I like, that I think, um, from my study, I think is a little more accurate. The ESV gets pretty close, but I think the New American Standard gets the closest, but it's a little confusing. Um, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16 of whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love the key piece here two keys is one this happens through through Christ through our love for one another through which the Christ operates among us but he says also that as the whole body that's been fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. What does that mean? It's a bit confusing. It was to me. And as I dug into it, it's those things that we do, doing, operating in the gifts that He's given us. As we operate as a... The image that I got in my mind when I was meditating on this years ago was of kind of the mortar between the bricks except this is a mortar that's, or, or, the, or the, uh, the fluid that surrounds cells. 
it's that 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 work that we do for one another and for others that ministry that we we perform those sacrifices we make those gifts that we exercise are the very thing that is the transport mechanism for the love of Christ among us to fit us together to build us according to the working of each individual part that causes the body the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love does that make sense that this 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 you know this uh, this mortar between the bricks is the thing through which Christ through and his love flows so that the body can grow up and be strengthened so it's as we all individually and within the context of the body exercise our gifts that he is able then to infuse the body with his love and his power amen and that's um, so that's something that just really hit me um, because I started realizing that when I um, say so because of insecurity that God calls me to go say speak to somebody who, who might need to hear the Lord or who might need prayer and I feel insecure about it and I don't do that God in his mercy you know still will bring people along to minister he'll accomplish his purposes but it, it, it I, I miss an opportunity to be used to be that thing through which he operates to bring his life to the world Amen? So, um, in a, in a, this, this is sort of on the micro level. On the macro level, it's a, also an expression of God's sovereignty that He can so put us together and the gifts that He gives us that He can minister through all of us to each person who's in need, whether it be a single person or many people. In Acts chapter 17, there's a verse, another verse that's, all, that's one that I've meditated a lot on over the years. It's been meant a lot to me. In Acts chapter 17, verse 22, it says he's, he's uh, standing in the midst of the Areopagus and he's speaking to the men of Athens in a place where they, they dispute. They, they hear philosophers and, and orators there. And so in verse um, 24, it said, and this is Paul speaking to these Athenians, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. For he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined and allotted the periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him yet he is actually not far from each one of us this is the grand scale on which God operates so orchestrating the places that whole civilizations inhabit where they go where they end up what the effect they have on their environment and the people around them that he places us in place in in such a way that we will reach out to him I love in the in New American Standard and that says that they might grope for him and somehow find him I just love that image of being blind and groping but God pieces us together in ways that we can somehow find him and I think in the micro level um, that as we just yield ourselves to him become living sacrifices willingly keeping ourselves on that altar and allowing him to flow through us with his power and his love ministering in the gifts he's given us I mean it could be that one of your gifts is encouraging people through good conversation about movies 
My daughter has that. She can talk to anybody about movies and through it draws people to him sometimes. She's a missionary in Thailand. Now she's home for a year uh, fundraising. But she, uh, she works in Thailand and her love of movies actually has opened up many venues for these uh, child, missionary children who she takes care of and teaches. And a lot of these missionary kids struggle with a lot of, lot of really difficult stuff because their parents are off in dangerous places and they leave them in boarding schools. And there's a lot of ministry to these missionary kids. And this, this ministry of being able to have loving movies and, and talk to them about it, she's able to draw them in and, and, and then eventually build a relationship that leads to her being a major encouragement to people. So you just never know the gifts, however insignificant they may seem to you. And I can tell you from those people I've known who've been like evangelists and, and uh, more prominent pastors, they have a sense of their own insignificance as well. So I think all of us God gives to keep us humble. But the beauty is with His power, with His Spirit, with His love, with the encouragement of brothers and sisters, in the context of the body of Christ, He can use us in powerful ways if we're willing to just use the gifts He's given us and to allow others and encourage them in the gifts that God's given them without trying to keep them in a box and say, this is the way that's supposed to be done. Because God always, just like nature, will, will spring up, life will spring up from nowhere. I do a lot of hiking, or I used to do more. And if you go hike in the desert, it's just as amazing the places where life springs up in the midst of this dry and parched land. Amen? Amen.